Ahoy, mateys, and welcome to another episode of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. My name is Captain Eric, and we are finishing our sale of the first season of SpongeBob SquarePants. That's right, ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls of the Ready Crew, we have reached the port. We are we are at the end of season one. Here it is, Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy 2. What a way to, to end the season, and what a season it has been. Um, th- this is... One of the most important first seasons in television animation history. This is SpongeBob SquarePants, one of the biggest cartoon characters of all time. If this season, even at your least favorite episode, uh, this season is so important for laying the foundation for what SpongeBob SquarePants would eventually become and where he would eventually ascend to being a pop culture icon. Um, this is, you need to have a strong foundation to build on. Um, there have been plenty of shows in television that don't hit their stride until later seasons. And when you eventually get to that moment, you know, for example, the, the popular show Seinfeld for a lot of fans didn't really hit what Seinfeld meant until like season three or four. And the same thing with SpongeBob, like there's a clear ascend here, but season three is just so good. That when you eventually get to where a show is eventually supposed to be, you learn to then be able to appreciate the steps in which it took to get there. And and that this season, I just can't stress how, how important it is. And, and of course, with the end of, of the season one of SpongeBob SquarePants, here we are at the end of season one of this show. Um, there's a lot to reflect on. There's a lot to reflect on. From the moment I even thought about doing a, a podcast about SpongeBob, uh, for those who have listened to my introduction, that was ye- I, I, I don't think I'm the first person to have thought of it. Uh, podcasting when I had thought about it was still was still fairly new, um, and there certainly were no SpongeBob podcasts, at least at the time I remember searching for. Um, and I easily could have missed them because there wasn't, you know, iTunes was around and was yeah, obviously podcast central, but. Um, iTunes isn't the the greatest source to search for podcasts. I've tried, go to iTunes now and search SpongePod Squarecast, and my show doesn't even come up sometimes. So uh, I I can tell you that. But as podcasting grew, and and clearly um, more fans have come on to to make podcasts about SpongeBob, and when eventually Steven Hillenburg passed, um, it was it was just kind of a, a kick a kick in the in the captain's quarters. To, to just do it. Just do it. Don't worry about anyone else. Make your own because even if you're doing the same format, because a lot of SpongeBob podcasts out there follow the same format of, of reviewing every single episode, even if that's the same, I have a different voice. I have a unique voice and um, my voice is my own. So I could do the same things and it's just going to naturally sound different. Um, but yeah, reaching that point, getting the kickstart to do this podcast and, and at first really dropping the ball. Um, I don't think I was, I was real mentally ready to be able to record every week. And, and really I am my own, we're all, we're our own worst self, uh, self critics. And man, I, 
right here, my hand is raising. I am a terrible critic for myself, and I'm a perfectionist. And really, like, the beginning of the first season, from the first episode I released, and to how staggered I was for those first few episodes, if you go back through on Anchor, you can see the dates in which I released episodes. And I honestly didn't hit a stride of releasing every week until uh, earlier this year. You know, really, you know, pandemic time is where I could, I really was able to hit the ground running on this podcast. And now it's, uh, I'm not perfect with the days, but uh, certainly it's been each and every week for, for at least the, uh, um, you know, second half of season one. And uh, from, from all of that to the partnership with the SpongeBob SquarePants movie Rehydrated Crew, uh, I've, I've made really good friends from, from that partnership and, and we were able to build trust and, uh, I love that this is a platform that other fans can come on, uh, and I hope that more of you listening will want to eventually take a more productive role on this show because I want more. I want more fans to to interview. I want more fan ideas for the show. I want to get you guys involved more, which is why in season two there is going to be a, a bit more involvement. Uh, I will be releasing kind of a. Uh, reflection on the format and future of the format episode between now and the first episode of season two. Um, But to give you an idea, we'll be talking every week about um, what happened in previous weeks in Nickelodeon history. I'm going to open up a mailbag and we'll have a uh, specific email for you guys to email me questions, things you'd like me to review, things you'd like me to to read on the on the air here. questions you might have on my opinions of other shows things like that uh, and we can get a nice dialogue going here big shout out uh, honestly to to the podcast solemn monster sounds off which i have been a avid fan for for so long uh, and he has a very uh, big mailbag section of his podcast and i've always that's always been one of my favorite sections so if you enjoy my content by all means Let me know exactly what you think of this show because your opinions are going to help shape the future because I do hope that each and every season changes things up a little bit to what you listeners might like a little bit more. It's not just about me here. I I could talk all day and night about myself and SpongeBob and the things I like, but I want to know what you guys like just as much. So uh, please keep an eye out for that. Uh, It will be released as a regular episode. It won't be numbered, but it will be uh, released. It'll be shorter. It won't be anything fairly long, just kind of more a reflection for myself and to give you guys more of an idea on what season two is going to look like. Uh, But before we can even get to season two, we have to get through this this last episode here. Uh, Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy 2 certainly a surprise for fans who enjoyed Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy I thought uh, when they introduced the characters I thought they would become more regular mainstays and then they didn't appear for a while and you just think like okay maybe you know once a season they they get in touch with these guys or maybe that was it maybe we just don't see them again and and boom right at the end of the season we have Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy 2 and that alone is exciting because once you get that two, then the possibilities of three and four and being able to see these characters more completely just open up. Um, one of the big things about this episode. Now, one thing I do want to talk about, I, I mentioned this, I, I talked about this a lot early on in the podcast, but uh, for those that don't know, the first season of SpongeBob SquarePants was the only season of the show to be done completely on an original animation production. So Ink and Cell and 
from season two on, everything then just moved on to computers. So this is the last time that we're going to see this kind of animation. This is it. Um, unless we come back in future episodes of the of the podcast and maybe revisit season one in a way everything from here on out is made by computers. So uh, I'd like to appreciate that for a second because that original animation style and the way that we, we used to make cartoons is so time consuming. Like animation is still time consuming and I don't want to make that, you know, I don't want that to come off like I'm uh, not understanding about, you know, that animation is still hard, but the way to make a cartoon 30 years ago and 20 years ago was is a lot harder than it is today even though it's still hard so if that's in perspective for you if you think today's animation is still difficult then just think about that like times 10 on on the difficulty scale but with that kind of animation style you get this charm with the cartoon and it looks a little dirtier but that's a part of the charm uh, once you clean things up and you make them as perfect as possible and things don't get that those natural mistakes, I don't know. I feel like it loses a little bit of its of its shine. And SpongeBob certainly uh, isn't the worst example I could say of a show that that went from traditional animation to eventual computer animation and just became stiff. You know, I, I would say shows like both The Simpsons and Family Guy, really started out kind of crude and then eventually got to a point where everything was so pristine like you know the the chances of uh peter peter's face and family guy changing sizes while he's talking like that's just out the window it's just going to look clean now so uh, appreciate this kind of stuff because there is just it's a charm it's very hard to replicate on computers but those who can replicate that turn out some wonderful pieces of animation so um, but beyond beyond that, this is the last time that we will have traditional animation. This is also the uh, one and only time that Charles Nelson Riley appeared on the show as the Dirty Bubble. Now, he would eventually go on to voice the Dirty Bubble in uh, the video game Lights, Camera, Pants. Uh, but unfortunately, Mr. Uh, Nelson Riley passed away in 2007 due to, to, to uh, pneumonia. And so he was only able to appear uh, in this episode as the Dirty Bubble and then in the 2005 video game, which is uh, is fairly sad. For those that, that don't know who Charles Nelson Riley is, he is a very well-known comedian, uh, stand-up comedian, an actor, a voice artist. Uh, he would also make a lot of appearances on game shows and was just fairly well-known throughout the entertainment world. So uh, getting him was... was a, probably a big get for the for the crew of spongebob uh getting him to voice the dirty bubble in this episode i mean you're talking about a real blue true blue legend right there in comedy but before we get to mermaid man and barnacle boy 2 we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we'll get right into the episode magic conj will i ever get to meet tom kenny maybe someday oh so you're saying there's a chance okay okay should i tell fans of the show how they can support us yes Goofy Goobers, supporting the show is shockingly easier than catching a blue jellyfish. Right from our Anchor page, anchor.fm slash spongepod. 
You can find links to all of our social media and a support button if you happen to have a few extra clams. Also follow us on twitch.tv slash spongebobpodcast, where it's not only the official home to our sister show, Video Bob Game Pants, it's also where I stream live drawings of various Nickelodeon characters and host the opportunity for commissions and giveaways. Lastly, the official merchandise store is now open at redbubble.com slash people slash spongepod, where various designs will be uploaded in Inspired by our show, including our official logo, which is now available on a multitude of products like t-shirts, stickers, duvet covers, and even a shower curtain. This is a podcast by a fan for fans and will always be fan-driven. Any way you see fit on supporting our show is much appreciated. Thank you and enjoy. 2,000 years later. And we're back. And I hope you have your episode queued up if you'd like to watch along with me. That would be perfect. Um, and of course, as always, I'm watching on Amazon Prime. Totally not sponsored, although, I don't know, I've been thinking about maybe reaching out to Amazon, telling them, like, hey, I'm, I'm supporting your Prime service here. If you can throw me a few bucks. Uh, but I, I think SpongeBob is getting taken off of Amazon Prime early next year when uh, Paramount Plus launches its subscription service. And man, what do you, what do you guys think about all of these subscription services coming out here? Uh, of course, Disney Disney Plus is is almost a must have if you're a Marvel or Star Wars fan, or even if you're just a classic Disney fan. There's so much content on there, and then we have, of course, Hulu and Netflix and HBO Max is making a real big push with all of those movies next year dropping on the platform. Uh, and then I saw Discovery Channel has their own streaming service and. Uh, I feel like there's just so many of them and there's just no way it's almost as remember when people were dropping cable for internet only and streaming services were so cheap. Like at some point there was just Netflix and Hulu and that was fine because Netflix was this really good hodgepodge of movies and TV. And then they had really good originals and Hulu was mainly a lot of television shows that, you know, would get episodes right after they aired. Then everybody else just jumped into the ring, and now there's like it's almost just as expensive to get cable uh, that at, at the same time as getting just internet and then buying into all of these streaming services. It's completely nuts, but I'm excited about Paramount Plus because if they actually are able to then have an entire complete Nickelodeon catalog, um, everything from Rugrats. Uh, probably not Doug, but it would be great if they put up uh, the original Doug. Uh, wait, what am I talking about? Doug is on Hulu, so that's totally fine. I don't know what I was thinking there, but everything from Rugrats, Doug, Ren and Stimpy. I hope they'd put Kablam up. Like, it, if they have Kablam, the Paramount Plus, I'll be a I'll be a lifetime subscriber. Uh, if anyone's listening out there working at Paramount, please get me involved with uh, picking your Nickelodeon selection because I'll make sure everything is found. Um, but that would be really exciting and I don't want to get too excited, but, uh, I'll have it day one just so I can watch the, uh, SpongeBob movie, but, um, and probably for Camp Coral whenever it goes up there, just, just out of curiosity and definitely to review it for this podcast. But, uh, yeah, Par we have Paramount Plus, so I don't even know if SpongeBob's going to be on Amazon Prime, but if you'd like to watch along, I'm going to start at the beginning of the title card, um, which, of course, I'm just going to make sure my sound is completely down. And you can start the episode now. All right, so here we have Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy 2, uh, written by Chuck Klein, Jay Lender, and Mr. Lawrence, as usual. And here we have Ernest Borgnine, Tim Conway, and Charles Nelson Riley. What a trifecta there. 
And one of the cool things, I com- I completely forgot about this. This was really nostalgic for me. Apparently, this is the, I don't know if this was the last time or the next time that Charles Nelson Riley and Ernest Borgnine uh, were together, but they were also voices on the series of All Dogs Go to Heaven movies and the TV show. Uh, Ernest Borgnine voicing the uh, the main villain throughout the series, and then I think Charles Nelson Riley was a part of the TV show. But so yeah, they had worked together before, and here they are as arch ne- uh, arch nemesis of Mermaid Man and uh, the Dirty Bubble. Now this episode. I, they kind of teased it at the end of the last Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy, where the show was now reunited. You know, the characters were reunited. They were back on the air, um, back making television episodes, but they were also old. And instead of like fighting crime, the one episode we did see was was uh, uh, just them hanging out in the in the in the nursing home. So. I, I like how the, the the show now is still like they're still really old, but then they're beating up cardboard cutouts because as we see later on, the atomic flounder is uh, old. So it's definitely not him. I mean, they could have maybe a young a younger guy playing him in costume to just get beat up or it's legitimately just a uh, it's legitimately just a cardboard cutout that Mermaid man is beating up there. But <laughs> spring boobs squire pin is. A, is a cheat stealing SpongeBob's idea of a life-size mannequins of Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy. But uh, what would you have the patience? Do you love anything that much? I mean, I love SpongeBob just as much as I think SpongeBob likes Mermaid Man, and I wouldn't have the patience to get a bunch of like McDoubles or Whoppers or Big Macs, whatever a Krabby Patty stand-in could be from a fast food restaurant that I could easily get and would be cheap. Uh, even like dollar burgers from Burger King. Like, I don't think I have the patience to build a SpongeBob uh, life-size mannequin out of burgers. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> if there was a specific food contest, maybe I would do it just as an homage to this episode. But uh, just thinking about it, I'd rather I'd rather paint SpongeBob. I, I would not want to build uh, a burger mannequin. But this is actually the first episode that we ever see of the Mermalair, which is uh, Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy's Batcave-esque setting that is located directly under the nursing home, which is absolutely crazy. That just that makes me I want so many questions answered about this. Like, was the nursing home built? right above it specifically for mermaid man and barnacle boy like did they pay for that so that they would have access to their cave or when they got into the nursing home did they build a a, a man a mermalair right below it i i don't know i, I <laughs> like i want to know the answers to these questions because clearly they you know with the ramp going up for their invisible boat mobile like clearly they they had to build they had to it, in, install that door to go up so i wonder if they just did it before or after they retired I, I i don't know this needs to be answered though uh but i like you know spongebob has this uh this horn um that's able to call mermaid man and barnacle boy at a whim's notice and th- i mean this is the whole plot of the episode is that spongebob are annoying these two older guys enough that he eventually convinces them to let him come on to a few missions um 
this episode definitely brought more comedy out of Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy uh, than in the previous episode. The previous episode was really fun, was certainly a great start for these characters, but uh, this episode really solidified what it is like to... Um, have those characters around more involved in Bikini Bottom. Uh, they get to leave the nursing home. You get to learn about the Mermelair. You get to learn about the Invisible Boatmobile. Uh, well, you learned about that in the first one, but this is where you get to experience the Invisible Boatmobile for everything it, everything it is. Um, the Invisible Boatmobile, I be- it has to be a reference to the fact that Wonder Woman has her invisible plane. Uh I don't know. I've never, never once uh, liked the idea of the invisible plane, but I could really get behind the invisible boatmobile. It's got to, it's got to help out in some ways. Uh, but here we have uh, one. Th- this is actually a pretty uh, significant moment here. <laughs> this is the first time that the show ever censored itself. Um, when Mermaid Man barges into SpongeBob's house. If you if you uh, slow down the footage, you can see that as he slides in, his slipper, his foot is up enough to cover his crotch until he is immediately right behind Gary. And then, of course, Barnacle Boy puts his his towel back on him. Uh, So that was actually a uh, I mean, it's a funny little gag and it's funny how um, how much they were able to get away with on Nickelodeon. I mean, there's definitely more adult jokes than that, but uh but that part was always always made me laugh uh, with the fact that he came in and lost his uh his towel on the way down to the mermelair which is a terrible seeming slide and they should probably just you know get <laughs> put in a different system which i think they eventually do but spongebob's calling them for so many different things and it it really sucks because this is kind of a the kid part of Spongebob where he's not really being an adult and he's not being responsible. He has the characters coming over to get him books from his library. Like he, he owns his house and owns his library. And I, I, you know, I know he wants to hang out with him, but, um, I don't know. I feel like there could have been a different way to go about this episode with Spongebob overusing the, uh, the shell and, you know, learning not to, not to, you know, make waste of something important, if you will. I don't think he really learns that lesson. Uh, now, SpongeBob is usually not a show that has a lot of like lessons or whatnot, but when they do, they usually knock it out of the park, so I think this could have been an opportunity for them to explore that a little bit more. Uh, this is a really nice line delivery, by the way, from Ernest Borgnine. It's a nice little speech I like that he gives to to Barnacle Boy who brings up his his lifelong desire of of being a crime fighter and i i love the little picture of him because he l- just looks like a tiny old man he doesn't look like a baby really <laughs> just still that massive squidward type nose which i wonder visually if they wanted him to look like squidward uh, and of course they're singing here a a rip off of jingle bells and the fact that one of the styles of jingle bells that you can sing involve uh, Batman and Robin, who is who, of course, are the like archetypes for what Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy were based off of, uh, especially in later episodes when, of course, they got Batman himself, Adam West from the 1966 Batman show um, to to come and voice a younger version of Mermaid Man. So uh, 
that's yeah. You know, it's really funny that they would pick the Jingle Bells song to be singing, and the fact that that uh, Mermaid Man is singing it too is even funnier because. At least the only time I remember Batman ever acknowledging the Jingle Bell song in uh, was in Robot Chicken and was definitely not happy about it. Uh, so here we have SpongeBob attacking the Atomic Flounder, who I I love that they're you know the first villain you really see here is as old as Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy, and the way they got around Man Ray being in trap you know trapped kind of just stuck in time at his original age is a good idea. I always wanted to see more villains that were like coming out of retirement and Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy having to stop them, but then, you know, coming up with some reason as to how, you know, even though they're screw-ups, everything kind of turns out okay. Um, so, like I said, I'm okay with uh, with Mermaid, with uh, Man Ray, but... I always wanted to see more villains like the Atomic Flounder because even the Dirty Bubble, uh, he's voiced by Charles Nelson Riley, but they don't really make perceive him as as old, you know. He's just kind of the same look that he that he has, uh, presumably when he's younger, and attacking the uh, heroes. But I like this diner setting that they're leaving too. We don't get to see the diner that often in the show. Um, but I, I love the design. I love that it's a ship. It actually looks like it could, you could come across that diner somewhere in like a, like a sea town or something, like a big ship. And of course, we have the running gag here where Barnacle Boy ends up at the tailpipe of the invisible boat mobile. But then we have the dirty bubble, Mr. Charles Nelson Riley right here, um, attacking our heroes. I wonder if it's the special dance mix of the theme. Uh, I wonder if uh, if the fact that they got in a tussle with man uh, with the atomic flounder earlier was what caused the dirty bubble to kind of just be like, you know, what? I'm going to go mess with those guys. I'm going to find out where they are. Uh, this is apparently the only episode of season one to premiere during SNCC. Now, for you younger fans out there who don't know what SNCC is, uh, SNCC was the name of Nickelodeon's Saturday Night Block, which started in uh, on August 15th, 1992, and went until 2001. Um, uh, SNCC was like, I, I don't want to say like how Adult Swim is with Cartoon Network, but SNCC was more geared to like teenagers like hey this is this is more for an slightly older audience than young kids uh but as it went on it it, it kind of went away from that and then just became a name for whatever programming they were airing on saturday nights and and so spongebob in 2001 was was airing on on snick on that version of snick um and that was the end of the episode uh, they they this nice little drive off into the distance with uh, even barnacle boy joining in on the on the song they were singing and what what a way to end season one, right off into the sunset. Now, let's go to a, a slightly worse dimension and say that SpongeBob SquarePants doesn't get picked up for a second season. We're just stuck with this first season. How, how does it look on its own completely without knowing of anything else in the future, not knowing of the movies or how big or the video games? How does this season stand up on its own? And I got to say, just like I said earlier, it is one of the best first seasons of any show in history. They really knocked it out of the park in a lot of ways. Knowing that they get better over time 
is awesome. But even at this point, this is this is fantastic. You can easily find three episodes in this first season that have can stand the test of time of any SpongeBob episode coming out now. Uh, and the and the first season is always the most difficult because it's where you're kind of learning your boundaries, you're learning your characters, your your location. It kind of helps the trajectory on what you want to do in the future, and you want to grow more of those. And we're still not at a point where I would say all the characters are in their final incarnations, their their current incarnations. We're still learning about those characters. Patrick in season one is still somewhat competent of a character. He's dumb, he's dim-witted, but he's not as bad as he would eventually get. Uh, Squidward is definitely mean to SpongeBob, but he hasn't really gotten that that overall just um, dull look on the face that he would eventually get in the show, just where it would kind of become more of his character of, of that just grump. Here we have Mr. Krabs, who who at few times during this show was offering deals and and services that later incarnations of Mr. Krabs would never in a million years think about. A free salad bar? That doesn't even think like something that Mr. Krabs would have, but here it is. Uh, of course, Sandy. Sandy, who in my opinion has the most, one of the most extreme changes through future seasons, just becomes so utterly obsessed with science that it becomes like it's what they call flanderization which is really what i'm getting to of all these character changes uh for those that don't understand the term flanderization is used to explain when a character just kind of gets boiled down to like a one or two notes and that's all they use and it's named after ned flanders from the simpsons who originally while being into into uh religion and being a super nice neighbor was was like had anger had other characteristics about him that that when you think of Ned Flanders now you would go wait what he acted like that he said that or he he was just different and eventually it just got boiled down to him being a, a left-handed Jesus freak like that that's what the term flanderization uh comes to so when you look at like Sandy who started out as really enjoying karate, really being uh, active, really like, you know, having a, uh, a a head for science, but also had a head for other other things going on in the world. And eventually, over time, that's just what happened. She just became the science character. Patrick has some good ideas in this first season, has some good moments, and eventually just becomes incredibly dumb mr krabs eventually becomes incredibly greedy and so on and so forth i think the character that has hurt the most over time though has been spongebob i i think his um overall attitude and design has helped maintain his popularity uh but eventually there's moments in these first few seasons and definitely during season during season one where spongebob is a lot more adult and and reasonable than in later seasons as things go on and of course when you talk to most fans that really happens after the first movie when steven hillenberg exited the 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 whole show um that's your backbone everything is going to be based from that guy's imagination and him him helping to be a part of a group of people to help build this world and these characters but you know once you take the head of the table away it's really hard to fill that spot, you know? So, but here we are, the end of season one, moving on to season two, and we're going to continue 
the show moving forward. Uh, please pay attention if you are, if you're still, a, if you're a listener, if you're a new listener, an old listener, uh, watch out for that new quote-unquote episode that's coming out in a few days that'll go over all of the information for season two of this show, some of the changes, some of the ideas, and I would love to hear feedback from that, especially uh, once I give out that uh, email address, which I'm not going to do here. You're just going to have to look for it. So thank you for being a part of this ship. We're going to get a new ship for season two. Thank you for being a part of the Ready Crew. We're going to say goodbye to season one, and we're going to move on forward. And just like always, we're going to continue our sail through SpongeBob SquarePants. So stay safe, take care, and we'll see you here next time. I'm ready. Magic Conj, will I ever get to meet Tom Kenny? Maybe someday. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. Okay, okay. Should I tell fans of the show how they can support us? Yes. Goofy Goobers, supporting the show is shockingly easier than catching a blue jellyfish. Right from our Anchor page, anchor.fm slash spongepod, you can find links to all of our social media and a support button if you happen to have a few extra clams. Also follow us on twitch.tv slash spongebobpodcast, where it's not only the official home to our sister show, Video Bob Game Pants, it's also where I stream live drawings of various Nickelodeon characters and host the opportunity for commissions and giveaways. Lastly, the official merchandise store is now open at redbubble.com slash people slash spongepod, where various designs will be uploaded in Inspired by our show, including our official logo, which is now available on a multitude of products like t-shirts, stickers, duvet covers, and even a shower curtain. This is a podcast by a fan for fans and will always be fan-driven. Any way you see fit on supporting our show is much appreciated. Thank you and enjoy.